Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. I am excited tonight to begin teaching um, something that I visited many, many, many years ago from a book that uh, captured my attention in the book itself in that season. I'm, I'm thinking it was in excess five to seven years ago. I don't have the exact information, but I began reading a book by the name of The Spirit of Python. The Spirit of Python. The author is Jensen Franklin. And that one book greatly enlightened and revealed many spiritual principles in regards to spiritual attacks. And I feel in this season of our church, church is good. Church is doing good. I I can honestly say... uh, I would knock on wood if this was wood. Uh, I don't know a season of our church that's been any better than where we are right now. However, I understand that the enemy has not took a vacation and the enemy is not asleep in what God's doing and what God's birthing in the spirit realm. So therefore, we need to be on guard and we need to be alert in what the Holy Ghost is doing. So tonight... I want to teach, I'll, I'll probably teach more than preach tonight, uh, on this subject. Are you under attack? Why don't you turn to someone sitting next to you or across the way and ask them, are you under attack? Are you under attack? By the time we get through with this short Bible study tonight, I believe that you will be able to emphatically answer the question without a shadow of a doubt, if you are under a spiritual attack. Joe Baker was known as the town drunk in a rural town in North Carolina. But when Joe was young, his family kept a chicken coop in the backyard. They had one hen that was sitting on a nest of three eggs. Two of them finally hatched, but the last one was holding out. The bakers didn't have a lot, so they really looked forward to having more laying hens. So they had been watching this last egg anxiously. Joe and his sister were sitting on the porch one evening when they heard a horrible commotion. Running into the hen house, they discovered a huge black snake. All of you may have just got a little shiver But they discovered a huge black snake had found its way into the hen house and had scared off the hen from the nest, exposing the egg only to have swallowed that one last egg whole. They could actually see the shape of the egg inside of the snake as it slithered very quickly out of the coop. They chased the snake around the yard until it found a hole to go down into. And this is where most would have thrown in the towel and quit. But not Joe. 
His sister handed him a shovel. She grabbed a hoe. And they started digging until they saw the snake. Joe pulled the snake out by the tail, cut off its head, and got the egg back. Joe carried the egg right back to the nest, put the hen back on top of it so that it could eventually hatch out. He was known as the town drunk, but I believe there is a spiritual principle that somebody needs to hear in this house tonight. He wasn't going to sit back and let the snake steal what belonged to him and his family and their future. I feel the Holy Ghost already. And let me say this loud and clear to every family that's in this room and those that are watching online. You and I have a real enemy. There has never been a greater or more crucial time to take a stand and run the snakes out of our hen houses. I don't want to magnify the devil any, any more than we should, but we have the word to remind us in John chapter 10 that the devil comes but for to steal, kill, and destroy. In John 8, 48, he called the devil a murderer and the father of lies. In the book of Revelation, John called him an old serpent who deceives the whole world. Somebody say it with me. We have a real enemy. He first shows up in the Garden of Eden in the form of a serpent. And you know, I, I had to ask myself that question. Why, why a snake? What is the connection between Satan and the serpent? As we all know, there are many different species of snakes. They differ in many ways in the way they hunt and the way they destroy their prey. Likewise, there are different characteristics of evil spirits and the way they operate. There are snakes that are more venomous than others. Just as there are demonic spirits that are more powerful than others. Hallelujah. Some serpents kill by the biting of their victims and injecting deadly poison with their fangs. But there is one serpent I want to highlight tonight that destroys its prey in a different and unique way. The python, everybody say python, is a serpent that waits patiently for its prey. And at the opportune time, it waits for that moment to strike. It sinks its sharp teeth deep into the victim, but its bite is not fatal. It's what happens next that destroys the prey of the python. Python is after one thing. If you don't get anything else I say tonight, this would be a good place to latch on and ride for a while. The python is after one thing. Anybody know what it's after? He's after your breath. It slowly coils itself around its victim and begins to squeeze the life out little by little. As, it, as, as the grip gets tighter and tighter, it chokes and suffocates its prey until the air is expunged from the prey's lungs. Can you see the spiritual correlation? Breath, air, wind are all symbols of the Holy Ghost. 
John 20 and 22, Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, Receive the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost came as a rushing mighty wind. But in Genesis, God breathed the breath of life into Adam and he became a living soul. And God breathed breath into man. Take a wild guess who is trying to choke and suffocate the life out of us. Your enemy, my enemy, Satan is after one thing. Like the python is trying to extract the breath of the Holy Ghost and the anointing from our lives. I don't care how long you've had the Holy Ghost. I don't care how many years you've been in the church. When that spirit of python gets loose, it's after one thing. It's no respecter of persons. It's no respecter of positions. It's no respecter of titles. When the python spirit gets loose, it's after one thing if it can squeeze the spiritual life out of you you will be consumed just as the python hates breath in his prey and will do anything he can to eliminate it Satan desires to squeeze the Holy Ghost let me just say it like this the Holy Ghost life out of each of you your family your children and ultimately out of the church he don't want there to be a demonstration. He don't want there to be signs, wonders, and miracles. He doesn't want there to be deliverances in this house. He's after that. He's trying to squeeze that out of the church. Zechariah 4 and 6 gives us a reminder. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. So if the, if, if the devil is after the spirit inside, he's not after your might or your power. He's after your spirit. Acts 16 and 16 gives us the launching pad and gives us really a word picture of what was going on here. Paul and Silas were on their way to prayer meeting. Everybody say prayer meeting. And a certain maid having a spirit of Python. Now the King James Version says the spirit of divination. Young's literal translation says it's a spirit of Python and did meet us who brought much employment to her masters by her soothsaying or fortune telling. So Brother Jeff, these two men were on their way to prayer. Isn't it just like the devil? To catch you on your way to prayer. On your way to prayer, on your way to church, on your way to visitation, on your way to do something for God, and the devil always shows up. This is the only place in Scripture where the name of an unclean spirit was given in the book of Acts. Could it be that God wanted us to understand there is a spirit of Python that wants to coil itself around every church, every Holy Ghost filled believer and squeeze the spiritual life out of us. Hallelujah. Believe me now or believe me later. We've, we know too many. We've done seen too many examples and sometimes we've been the example where the spiritual life has been squeezed out of us. Paul and Silas in this portion of Scripture were on their way to prayer when that spirit of Python interrupted them. I believe the enemy operates in the same fashion today as it was in the days of Paul and Silas. He, he wants to interrupt your prayer life. He will try to stop your praise. 
He will try to stop your faithfulness. And the list could go on and on and on. I have seen too many let this old serpent coil his way around your lives, choke out what belongs to them, and leisurely enjoy his meal. I see Holy Ghost filled individuals becoming overcome rather than being overcomers. I will not ask you to raise your hand tonight, but I have no doubt in this audience, if you were honest, you would say, I'm losing my passion for God, or I have lost my passion for God. I, I don't have the same passion I used to have for the Word. I, I don't have the same passion for prayer that I used to. I, I don't have the same passion for praise and worship like I used to. But hear your pastor tonight. You can't brush this off. Understand me clearly that this is the python attack of the enemy trying to squeeze the spiritual life out of you. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, God has sent me tonight to help you determine if you are under the attack of the spirit of Python. And let me help you and let's launch into this. Here are a few things that I believe that are going to help you discern if you are under a spiritual attack. Number one, say it with me, loss of spiritual desire. You must understand that the point or the goal of a spiritual attack is to turn you away from what God wants to do in your life. That is why the first warning sign of a, an attack spiritually is a loss of spiritual desire. We don't live by feeling alone, but there is a difference between doing something out of obligation and doing something because you delight in Spiritual desire is evidenced by the heart on fire for God. For David said, O God, you are my God in Psalm 63, 1. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Losing your personal or losing your personal spiritual desire happens deliberately. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens rather slowly, just as the python slowly and methodically begins to tighten its hold on its prey to choke the breath out of you. Life issues arise and begin cutting into your time in the Word. Anybody want to say, man, we've all been guilty. Before long, you're too busy to read the Word. You're too busy to renew your mind. You start feeling a, a disconnect when you pray, and you spend less and less time in prayer. Soon you feel disconnected at church. Eventually you find reasons not to be in church. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm preaching in this place to somebody. Worldly pursuits start taking the place of your pursuit of God. Instead of your heart being on fire, it's become lukewarm. Let me be clear. You should have things you enjoy outside of the church. Your hobbies, your skills, your sports, your activities, your travel, and so forth. Hear me. But I have seen many who were one time passionate for th the things of God begin finding enjoyment in the worldly instead of the spiritual things of God. We cannot be enamored by the things outside of the building, outside of the church. We cannot forget the spiritual things of God and be entertained by the world. 
It's a spirit of python trying to, to squeeze that spiritual life out of you. Everybody say loss of spiritual desire. That's a sign you're under a spiritual attack. I'm, I'm, this one right here, I've never looked at it the way I looked at it until I began to study and read and put this on paper. When I say it, you're going to say, man, I don't know if that's really a spiritual attack, but it is. Number two is physical fatigue. If you are feeling or you're under physical fatigue, well, my God, that's my week every week. I just feel so tired and wore out and physically fatigued. Okay. Let me, let me explain. I know that doesn't sound real spiritual, but what we must keep in mind that we are all created beings. Spirit, soul, and body. If my body is weak, it allows things to get in my mind or my soul. And that allows things to negatively affect my spirit. Remember in Scripture when Elijah, I read this this morning, and I'm like, wow. He was on, Elijah had his run-in with Jezebel. He delivered a blow to her kingdom by calling fire down from heaven and killing 850 false prophets. And then I began to think how an exhaustive thing that was. He had to rebuild the altar that was destroyed. He had to dig ditches around the altar. He had to cut sacrifices into pieces, place those sacrifices on the altar, and then prayed the prayer that would bring fire from heaven down to earth. Exhausting probably would be an understatement. But that is when Jezebel attacked him. She sent messengers to him threatening to kill him within 24 hours. A man that was already worn out, now is on the run for his life, went into the wilderness which was a full day's journey. When he got finally to a tree, he sat under that tree so exhausted, he prayed that he would die. Many times, hear me, hear me church, many times we face our greatest attacks just before a great promotion or just after a great victory. We must keep in mind that an attack could be a very well a good indication that you are about to be promoted or you just had a great victory. After that tremendous victory, fatigue left Elijah open for attack and feeling like a failure. He had just called fire down from heaven and he went a day's journey fearing for his life. Did God change? Did God change his power? The same God that could come down with fire from heaven is the same God that could have just smote Jezebel right in her tracks in her pursuit of him. But fear set in because he was physically fatigued. Fatigue is your body it's when your body wears on your mind. Your thoughts get quit twisted. You even have thoughts of suicide. When you're under a spiritual attack and it's in the realm of physical fatigue, the thoughts of suicide will even enter your, into your thinking process. Elijah told God he wanted to die. But listen to this. After he rested a while, an angel of the Lord awakened him and fed him. And prepared him for the next journey. There's no substitute for rest. 
There's no substitute for retreating back and resting. It'll clear your mind. It'll clear your spirit. It'll bring things in pers- into perspective. Physical fatigue is a serious warning sign and must not be ignored. You can't ignore it. Somebody say amen. Number three. Everybody say lack, attack. Lack, attack. There are times when it seems that all of your resources dry up at the same time. I'm not implying MasterCard or Visa demons. You can't simply rebuke debt that you've incurred. You can't pray bills away. You've got to pay them away. When things start breaking down at the same time, when business dries up or layoffs are announced, the car breaks down, the appliances start acting up, all the kids get sick at the same time, you could be under a lack attack. I know this may not make sense, but please don't brush this one away either. The enemy attacks in this way to get your eyes off of God and get your eyes on your money or the lack thereof. If he can get you to worrying instead of worshiping, he's winning. If he can get your mind on what's going wrong, you'll forget how faithful God's been. You will start making decisions based on opportunity and not anointing. I've seen too many people who were growing spiritually and then the enemy hit with a lack attack. They got their eyes off of God and onto money. Then along came an opportunity, but not an anointed opportunity. Not every good offer is from God. The devil can make some very tempting offers. He tried to even sway Jesus from his purpose. Come on, somebody. I, what, what, what did he do to Jesus? He took him up on that mount, offering him all the kingdoms of the world and a way, a way out of the cross. Of course, there was a catch. The devil added, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. The devil can orchestrate circumstances to give you what you're looking for at a very vulnerable moment in your life and steal from you what matters most. You need to remember two things, two times in your life when you are especially vulnerable to temptation. Are you ready for this? When you have nothing and when you have everything. That's why you got to stay close to God in the good times and the bad times. Whether you're in a season when things are going good or a season when nothing's going right. you got to stay close to God so you can properly discern where you're at and what you're doing. I done read the back of the book. God's promised he will supply your need according to his riches in glory. As you seek... As you seek Him first and honor Him with your finances, God has a way of turning the tables on the devil. Uh, If you're going through a lack attack and have more month 
than you have money. Focus your mind on his promises and not your problems. Well, pastor, that's hard to do. I didn't say it was easy. But you got to do it. You got you, you to mature spiritually to, to the point where you understand that God's working all things for my good. I've just got to trust him. Psalms 37, 25 said, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I, I saw this somewhere, and it just freshly come back to my remembrance. I've seen the righteous cry. I've seen the righteous suffer. I've seen the righteous go through a lot, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. you got to remember whose you are. Yes, tough times don't always last, but tough people do. And that's what's got to be reminded in all of us tonight. You're the righteousness of Christ. And if you've been born again of the water and spirit, maybe this economy is going to flip upside down. Maybe the gas will go to $4 a gallon. Who only knows? We may even run out of gas before the weekend. But God ain't changed. I said God's throne has not diminished. His power has not shrunk one iota. He's still high and he still looks low. He knows the hair on your head and he knows every time a sparrow would fall. You've come too late to tell me, devil, that we're going under. God's got a plan. I refuse to let the spirit of Python squeeze the life through this weapon called a lack attack we got to keep our eyes focused we've got to stay positive we've got to say of the Lord he is mighty Joshua 1 and 8 said the book this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but ye shall meditate in it day and night that ye may observe to do according to all that is written in it for then you will find your way prosperous and then you will have good success now, that's not my words. That's the book. We've all had financial hardships. There ain't one in here. If you've lived long enough and you've experienced, you've, you've experienced financial hardships. I've had money and I hadn't had money. I, having money is a little bit better life. Wouldn't you say amen? I'm not sure that anyone would raise their hand and say, I've never had a financial attack. But let me prompt you to consider some things when the attack does come. You may be here now. You may be considering all your options right now. Boy, it got real quiet. That's okay. When you're praying, when you're seeking God, when you're fleecing God, does the financial solution pull you away from God? Does it take you away from your family? Never forget you're training a generation to take their life direction from money rather than trusting God. Every decision that we make, everything we choose, we're training a generation. This is a working church. I said this is a working church. We've got young people that work. I mean, we, we've got faithful young people that work. 
Can I get an amen from some of you young people? We had a lot of young people, and I thought about this today. And I, and I do admire you. This is just preventative maintenance, okay? When you're, when you're seeking job, think what goes through your mind. How much money you're going to make, or is this going to work with my church schedule? How's this going to affect with the way I operate my youth group? Is it going to make me less involved or more involved? Parents, can I, can I put this in you? Don't promote your kids to trade the things of God for minimum wage. You're going to wake up and they're going to be grown and gone. And you're going to wonder, what, where'd they go? What happened? Let me be clear. I said it. We're a working church. God has blessed many of our families. We have families, and brothers and sisters are here. They work on the road. They're out there. They, they, they travel. Their business takes. But let me tell you, they're connected to this church through live stream, connected through our families. And we thank God for that. We've got those that are working out of state right now. Those that are even working on shifts right now. Hallelujah. There are times that the ox get in the ditch. And you got to work and you got to miss church. Or you're working shifts for a season that causes you to miss. And I understand this cycle. But in the forefront of our minds, we should be thinking, how is this going to cause me and affect me spiritually in my relationship with my church? We are in a generation where church is secondary or third at best. At best. If we have to miss due to work, due to travel, due, due to this, it should be, my God, I can't wait to get to my computer and watch it on live stream. I, I, I can't wait to hear what God spoke to the body on the service that I had to miss and proactively wait for the season to change. So that you can be at every service. So you can be more involved than you ever have made, been involved. Can somebody say, does this make sense? I'm trying to do this with, with the way the Holy Ghost gave it to me. I don't want to wake up and a generation come and, and, and they don't even have an appreciation for what we have invested our lives building and our lives given to. Hallelujah. I want a church in 20 years from now. I want to be able to pass the baton one day and somebody be able to take this church and there still be people that prioritize the church. One final thing before I move on in this one attack. You must make the decision to tithe before the lack attack hits. Well, I can't afford to pay tithes. I can't afford not to pay tithes. But let me freshly remind you, tithing is an act of trusting God to take care of what's left. Tithing is, the, is an act of trusting God to take care of the rest. When things get tight financially, it can be difficult to decide whether to pay a bill or honor God. But I can promise you, I've been on both, and I'll be very honest, I've been on both sides of that coin, and I promise you, it always pays higher dividends when you trust God with your finances. When you honor Him first in your tithe, and you trust His hand of provision. If you believe that, say amen. Number four, weak prayer life. You want to know if you're under a spiritual attack, how strong is your prayer life? Matthew 26, 40 and 41, he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What could you not watch with me one hour? 
Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. It was from this moment, only hours later, Peter found himself under attack. He denied that he even knew the Lord. The temptation came and his flesh was weak. Prayer is a discipline. There is no gift of prayer. It takes action on your part. You can't go to college and get a degree in prayer. You can read books in prayer. You can go to study about prayer. But there's a difference in praying. It takes faith and persistence to pray. However, there are times when even though you are faithful to prayer, your mind may work against you. Sometimes you just got to break away from the routine and realize that your mind has been on everything but God. How many of you know that when you pray, you'll begin to think of a hundred different things you got to do? You get down to pray and you're thinking about this and you're thinking about that. Let me just give you a good idea. Why don't you take a pen and paper with you to your private moment of prayer and write down those things that you need to do when they come to your mind. When you get through writing down those things that have come to your mind, you need to say, thank you, devil, for reminding me of the things I need to do, but now I'm going to pray. That'll slap the devil skywinding crooked if you do that because your mind then won't worry about what you got to do. You've already wrote it down and you'll get to it later. But my most important thing to do today is I've got to pray. I can testify that in my failures in life, there have been two common denominators. A dusty Bible and a broken down altar. That is the strategy of the spirit of Python. He squeezes prayer and Bible reading out of your daily agenda. It's in the form of busyness. Remember, it's not only the normal and natural duties and cares of life that keep you from your place of prayer and time of prayer. It is the unseen spiritual tactic of the spirit of Python to choke prayer out of your life. If you're not reading your Bible on a regular basis, if you're not praying on a regular basis, you're under spiritual attack. I can't sugarcoat that. I'm just telling you. If you ain't praying and you ain't in the book, you're under spiritual attack. There's something going on. You need ding, 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 ding. It needs to go off. I'm, I'm being under attack. Another quick reminder. Paul and Silas were attacked as they went to the temple to pray at their time of prayer. The key to spiritual life is to inhale the word and exhale with prayer. The Bible is the inspired word of God, which means God breathed. So when you read the Bible, you breathe into your spiritual man. When you pray, you exhale. You can't just breathe in and live. You've got to exhale, and that is prayer being essential to your life. Wonder why the, 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 that old spirit of Python wants to come in and squeeze the breath out of you. He don't want you to read a word. He don't want you to pray. That's why you got to recognize I'm under attack. Number five. I wish I could tell you it's going to get better before we got to the end, but it's going to get a little tight here for a moment. Feeling overwhelmed and hopeless. 
How many have ever felt overwhelmed and hopeless? If you are feeling overwhelmed and hopeless, you're under a spiritual attack. When I look at the word circumstances, when I look at the word circumstance, it comes from two words. Circle means to encircle. Stance means to stand. In other words, you are standing encircled by what's going on. When circumstances feel overwhelming, everywhere you turn, there's another problem and another problem and another problem. It's just there's no escape. Your problems line up as far as you can see, and you, and you feel overwhelmed. Am I preaching to anybody right now? This is one of the tricks of the enemy he uses to plant. Are you ready? He uses this tactic to plant the seeds of a bad attitude. When you feel hopeless, when you feel defeated, when you feel overwhelmed, you have thoughts of what's the use? Why even try? Nothing is changing. Those things begin to flood your mind and frustration takes hold. Someone once said frustration is fear that your efforts will not pay off. You get frustrated. You think God's forgot. He hadn't heard your prayers. You, you, you feel like you're just going in circles. You're on that, that vicious merry-go-round called life and nothing seems to be working. It doesn't take long for feelings of being overwhelmed to lead to hopelessness and you just feel like giving up. I want you to understand something about hopelessness. It does not come all at once either. When you hit that wall and just feel like throwing in the towel and quit, that thought formed in your spirit long before this moment. If quitting is never an option, then you will not want to quit when times get hard. You will want to keep pressing in faith that God's strength is greater than yours and He will see you through every single battle. Let me just say this, and we've just got to draw the line in the sand tonight. I didn't get in this to get out. Come hell or high water, I'm in this. I'm in the church. Highs and lows, I'm in the church. There's no quit option in living for God. There may be some lonely times. You may get frustrated. You may get overwhelmed. But there is no option for quitting. Let me, let me say it like this. If you're thinking about quitting, about walking away from the church, you're definitely under an attack. You don't need to pray about it. You're under an attack. Remember, the spirit of Python suffocates its victims slowly, little by little, service by service, excuse by excuse. The freedom to live is squeezed out of its prey. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. But it also says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. If the enemy can get you to lose hope, he can get you to stop living by faith. I'm going to say that again. If the enemy can get you to lose hope, I just don't see how it's going to work out. I don't know. I prayed and it just seemed like it's not going to work. If he can get you to lose hope, he'll get you to quit living by faith. We used to sing that old song. I'm living by faith. I still remember my daddy singing it. That, that, 
I'm trusting in him. We've got to live by faith more now than we've ever lived by faith. Because if, if we don't get this spirit under, this, this spirit right here gives way for the next spirit. You ready for number six? Old habits and lifestyles resurface. When you're hopeless, when you're overwhelmed, that phone's going to ring from somebody. Well, I ain't thought about them in months. Why in the world are they calling me? It must be the will of God. I'm helping somebody about right now. The sixth sign you're under a spiritual attack is when old iniquities begin to resurface. Well, what's an iniquity, Pastor? Some consider iniquities to be those old habits that your soul wants to fall back on when things don't seem to be going your way. Things like smoking, drinking, dipping, vaping, drugs, going to bars, sex outside of marriage. I'm still in an apostolic church, isn't I? Extramarital affairs, pornography, and I'll stop, and the list could go on. Often the sign of attack begins when the longing for your former lifestyle is preeminent in your life. You will, you will even begin to think thoughts, well, at least when I was in the world, I had this or I did that. Much like the Israelites complaining in the wilderness, you have selective memory if you're thinking this way. Don't you remember where he found you? Don't you remember how good you've had it? Let me keep on going. When Moses led the people of Israel out of the Egyptian slavery, every time they encountered a little hardship, they complained and wanted to go back to slavery. Come on, somebody, help me. They wanted to go back to slavery. But this is not even logically thinking. Every time they hit a little bump in the road, every time they got hungry, every time they get thirsty, well, we had it better under Pharaoh. We had it better when we were back in Egypt. After the miraculous deliverance out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, into safety, they got a little hungry and the complaints started happening. Exodus 16.3 said, And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died in the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now, you know, Moses was a, he was a good leader. He took more than most of us would have ever took. But, you know, we ain't far from the children of Israel in our behaviors and actions. We fall into the same patterns today. If you start going back to old iniquities and habits that God has set you free from, and if you start thinking about these things, don't ignore the warning conviction of the Holy Ghost. It's a sign you were under an attack. And the lies of Satan, that python spirit is coiling around you to pull you under and take the spiritual breath out of you. Well, 
you know what, I just, I think I'm going to dress like I used to dress, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it this way. And we, 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 we start entertaining thoughts of this, and we start entertaining, and before long, we don't even resemble who we once were. We're under spiritual attack. It leads to number seven, and some of you will be thanking God we're on the last one. Why are you preaching like this? I'm preaching like this because I feel a revival. I feel harvest. We're in that season of harvest. But I don't believe it's the will of God for a new, new crop to come in and the old crop walk out. I believe the former and the latter together I, I believe that you're supposed to be here I don't believe you're supposed to I, I don't believe those that I'm preaching to are, are supposed to be a part of the falling away but for us to not be a part of the falling away we've got to have preaching that will stir conviction on the inside of us that will cause us to stand in the evil day let me, let me, let me go back feeling overwhelmed and hopeless will cause you to entertain or even want to go back to old habits and lifestyles. But number seven, I believe it's one of the progressions. And you need to check yourself. When all iniquities start tempting you, the next sign of spiritual attack is sure to follow. You start pulling away from godly relationships. Somebody needs to ask themselves tonight, have I pulled away from the youth group? Have I made church attendance optional? Have I disconnected from my community group? Have I disconnected from involvement in ministries within the church? Are more and more of my friends carnally minded than spiritually minded? If so, you're stumbling around on the battleground and the enemy has a target on your head. I'm telling you, it's as though I've seen a vision today as I was sitting at my computer and I was praying and I was typing these notes. And I hear the voice of the Spirit. There was a time when you were in services every time the doors were open. You were the first one in and you were the last one to leave. You were so excited about the ministry God birthed in you and the calling of God that he put on the inside of you. And now, where are you? I provoke your thinking to sincerely ask yourself and do a quick inventory. Who is surrounding you? What voices are you listening to? Is your youth pastor, is your pastor voice stronger than your friends' voices? Are you taking direction and counsel from someone that does not have your best interest in heart? That have not prayed, that hasn't covered you in prayer? I can't tell you the nights that your youth, and I'm going to preach to you, that your youth pastor is praying and they're worried and they're, they're fasting and they're believing. And your pastor and his wife, we're, 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 we're concerned because we understand the pull of the world. 
we understand the pull of the spirits of this world that would just love to suck you out and leave you a frail shell of who you used to be. When your life is connected to the things of God and you're full of the Spirit, your unsaved friends will be drawn to Him. They will be drawn to the house of God. There are some of your friends that don't even know where you go to church. There are some of your friends that you're embarrassed to even say who you are and where you go to church. But let me help you. Your friends are a photograph of your future. Show me your friend base and I'll show you what direction you're going. Well, I'm going to win them. Keep thinking that. I know too many. Well, I'm going to win them. I'm going to win them. I'm going to win them. I'm gonna do. There, there, there are times it works, but I can count on more hands and feet and toes where it didn't work than when it did work because that pull is so strong in the world. If you have more in common with the people in the world than you do with the people who are living for God, you're connected to the wrong people. This church is blessed with so many great individuals and families. I'm going to step in. I'm going to say this emphatically. Like me or hate me. There is truly no excuse to find someone out in the world you connect with more than a couple or family or individuals inside this church. This is a great church. I said this is a gr- not a perfect church, but it's a great church. There's a lot of good personalities, a lot of good characters. There's a lot of good careers. There's a lot of good people that make up a, a whole realm of influence. You can find somebody to connect to if you want to. See, the enemy... See, I've been in prayer about what I'm talking about because I know right, I could come and put my finger right on your nose tonight. The enemy would love to ostracize you away and convince you that you don't belong here and that it's better out there. By doing so, you will once again go on the merry-go-round of life that will spin your life out of control and you will never be fulfilled. I'm going to say it emphatically. This, everything you need is in this house. I said everything you need is in this house. There's some testimonies. If I would have put this mic in their hand, they would tell you uh, what it's like out there. Is nothing worth trading for what we have in here. Stand to your feet right now. I feel the presence of God wanting to sweep in and encourage someone. I feel like many of you, if you're honest with yourself, have been under an attack. You really didn't know what it was, but you do now. But God wants to give you strength and courage to fight again. He wants you to get re-engaged in the battle and in your calling. Some of you need to cut off some relationships now before it's too late. You need to sell out tonight and make some recommitments. I feel this so strong in the Holy Ghost. Don't make a permanent decision in a temporary circumstance. Well, I'm lonely. There's a lot of people that were lonely and made a wrong decision. 
Well, I'm frustrated. There's a lot of people frustrated that made the wrong decision out of frustration. And now they're reaping the consequences of frustration. Well, I'm hopeless. Be careful. You don't make a permanent decision in a temporary season of circumstances. One of these battlefronts are working right now in all of our lives. But we can be victorious. Maybe it's the loss of spiritual desire. Maybe it's physical fatigue. Maybe it's the lack of tact. Maybe it's a weakened prayer life. Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed and hopeless. Possibly old habits and lifestyles are resurfacing. Maybe you've pulled away from godly relationships. There comes a time where you have to, you have to do what the song said. It's not my brother nor my sister. But it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not my brother nor my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's easy to point a finger where they're the reason. Until you accept responsibility for where you are and the condition of your heart and your soul, nothing will ever change. When you remember from whence thou hast fallen. Until you remember. From whence you have fallen. I can preach like this all day long. And I know it may have seemed harsh and hard. But I'm trying to jar your attention. If you're not what you used to be in the things of God. God's trying to call you back to a place of consecration. So he can continue and finish what he started in you. He didn't birth that in you just to He didn't birth that in you just for it to be half completed. There's a calling on your life. There's a ministry yet to be to be fulfilled. There are lives you're going to touch. There's people in your high school, Mackenzie, yeah, they're making fun of you, but they're watching you. You got something greater in you than what they got. What, what the truth is they're convicted by what you have. Don't you let down on your standards. Don't let you down on your convictions. Don't let down on your prayer life. Don't let down on your consecration. You're just under an attack. You've got to stand strong and do exploits. You've got to keep your eye on the prize. You've got to keep your eyes focused on what God's trying to do in you. Mm. I just feel like opening this altar up. If somebody wants to step out of your pew right now, this altar is open. There's a, there's a place of prayer. There's a place to stand and just. Oh. You don't 
going to preach like this and just close and not not have an, uh, an opportunity for somebody just to walk down and, and say, God, I need you. I need to, I need to shake myself. I need to, I need to bring myself back to a, to focus and get my mind wrapped around the purpose of God. And I've got to quit worrying and I've got to get my mind back on worship. I've got to, I've got to quit playing and I've got to start praying. I, I can't get distracted. I, I've got to get focused on where you're leading me and guiding me. How many are going to walk into this church because of your influence? How many are going to be saved? How many are going to be baptized? How, how will your family be blessed because of one act of obedience? How will your family be? Where will your family be in five years? When I was in the corporate world, we had to we had to do we had to do forecasting. What, what, what's your forecast for the next thirty days? What's your forecast for the next six months? What's your forecast for the next year? And then it was a three year goal, and then a five year goal. Where do you see yourself? Where do you see your families in four years? Where do you see your families by the end of the year? Where do you by the end of May? You don't know the private battles your children are facing right now that are depending on their mom and their daddy to pray. Yeah, they're out there. Yes, they're out there. But Brother Bittler, I prayed to Fred. You, you brought it to my spirit strong Sunday, and I've been praying every day for prodigals, prodigal sons and prodigal daughters. Where will they be if we don't pray? What chance do they have if we're not praying? We can't leave them in the field, the field that's going to take them and destroy them. But we've got we to understand we're under a spiritual attack. We've got to understand the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. come against every spirit of hopelessness I come against every spirit of depression I come against every spirit of overwhelm you feeling overwhelmed I, every spirit of distraction every spirit of python that is trying to squeeze the life out of every Holy Ghost filled believer in this place I bind it right now in the name of Jesus and I take authority over every mind and let the mind of Christ be in you. Let the desire for spiritual things return. Let the Spirit rise up in every heart. Let the Spirit of the living God rise. Let there be fervor. Let there be prayer. Let there be a red hot coal from the altar that would rest upon the lips of men and women. And may we never ever be the same after this service. Pastor, things are good. I'm glad they're good at your house. I'm not under attack. That's okay. Just log this in your spiritual mind. And remember this in a few weeks when the old enemy comes lurking around and you see him in the hen house. You see him slithering around and you see he's trying to destroy. Now, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus.
you would seal this word. You would seal this time in the spiritual fabric of every heart. That we will never be the same after this. Lord, let this broadcast go around the world with people that will listen and heed the word. Not hearers only, but doers of the word. May we, we, may we engage into action. And may we leave this place determined. I will not fall prey to the spirit of Python. But I will lift up my hands and I will lift up my head. For my redemption draweth nigh. And Lord, as we end this service. I want us to pray right now for the nation of Israel. We stand with Israel no matter what politics in this country are doing right now. We stand with Israel no matter what a party does or a party says. We stand and we pray for the well-being of Israel. Father, we pray right now for a hedge of protection around that around Jerusalem, around that Gaza area, around Tel Aviv. Lord, I pray you dispatch angels around them, God. You've encamped angels around those, those very exact areas in days gone by. And Lord, you can dispatch angels of protection around those people, the children of the Most High God. Lord, I pray for every Jewish man, every Jewish woman, every boy and every child over there, every American that is stationed over there every human that is in that region God I pray a hedge of protection around them may your word go forth of protection may you execute vengeance upon those that are seeking to do harm to your people in Jesus name we pray could we just clap our hands together and agree in this prayer We pray and declare it. We speak it in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Before you're dismissed.